Reading FC continue to ride the Paul Ince roller coaster of home highs and away lows, with a win over Rotherham quickly followed by a dour defeat away to Cardiff in two key games against struggling sides that we will be getting right stuck into. On the Tireless in Podcast, episode 328, I'm your host, Mark Mayer, as per usual. Joining me this week to talk about all the highs and lows of supporting Reading this week is Ross Weber. How's it going, mate? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Excited to be here talking Reading uh, in a, uh, yeah, like you say, roller coaster of a week. Absolutely. We'll have uh, plenty to be getting stuck into. Um, in the recap, we'll be hearing from Paul Ince, which has been very <laughs> plenty to be discussed <laughs> about that uh, coming up. Uh, mailbag as well for you guys. Bit of news bites because uh, we didn't do that last week. So we're catching you up with what's gone on with the other teams later on. And then we've got another big game, Blackpool, on Saturday at home to talk about at the end of the show. As always, a thanks to our sponsor, ZCZ Films, and our Patreon subscribers. So, yeah, let's get stuck into some recap and talk about the win over the Rotherham and the defeat at Cardiff. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. So Ross, what, what's the what's the big overarching take then that we have out of these two games? We had a, a comeback win over Rotherham that I guess maybe in the annals of history, you'll we'll look back on this and think, oh, what a what a really momentous three points that was, what a massive result. And then a defeat away to Cardiff. And again, if you're kind of flicking through Wikipedia in like six years' time and you see a late goal for Cardiff, you might think, oh, I might have been a bit unlucky with that one. That's just a narrow defeat. And I guess that's the thing for me, is that you know, you can be you can be lucky so many times in a season that it maybe evens out and everything. But in this particular week, we're we're reading lucky or unlucky because I don't think that we were particularly unlucky against Cardiff because we didn't play very well. But then I also think that maybe we did kind of get away with one against Rotherham that if Tyrese Fauna doesn't head in that 90th minute winner from, you know, effectively two Andy Carroll headers are the only reason that we won that game. If that doesn't happen, I mean, the mood enough around the club after the Cardiff defeat was bad enough. But if that Rotherham win doesn't happen, then, I mean, I can't imagine what people would be saying at the moment. Yeah, thank goodness for those three points. I remember talking about um, how this week felt at the start of the before the the Rotherham game or anything like that. And and as a Tyler then you know contributor kind of feeling like the the dog in that this is fine meme where things are about to set on fire. And uh, you know while it's been a reasonably solid season so far, in which Redinger luckily nowhere near the uh relegation zone obviously the mood was gonna uh flip a little this week if if both of these games ended up with losses Rotherham I think you're right I think it was quite lucky and um we can talk about this in a bit but scoring from set plays it seems to be just about all Reading can do at the moment is um they do have some tricky wingers they do have some guys who can dribble and and take on a player and, and win free kicks in places that can give us interesting set plays but if we don't get those against Rotherham were we ever going to score from open play unless it's uh Hendrick popping up for his one contribution per month to smash one in or something like that so yeah a bit of a bit of a weird week and then I think with that Cardiff 
uh, defeat, like you're saying, you know, there, maybe there is some luck that comes into it. You know, like I don't necessarily think that Sawyer is trying to put with his late winner, all of the curve on the planet onto the ball where, where it kind of swerves across um, from the center of the goal into the bottom corner with that last hit. But you play in this low block and you play it three days after playing another game, your players are going to be tired. You only have to muck it up once or twice and and you're a goal or two behind. So yeah, riding luck is the right word. We've just been riding waves of luck all week rather than doing anything. Um, it just doesn't feel like we're affecting games. We're just waiting for that luck, like you say. Yeah, I mean, I suppose on the on the positive side, the, you know, we... We do, we do have Andy Cowell for a purpose. We did sign yes. him because that's his skill. He pops up with headers and he's very, very good at that. Um, that's, you know, a good thing that Reading have done. You can't take that away from the club. But then it feels like away from that when, I mean, when then we, we play perfectly well when Andy Cowell's not been in the team. And I know we've spoken so much about how when Andy, Andy, Andy Cowell's in the team, you know, we resort to whether it's the manager, the players, or whatever, we do resort to this kind of like lump it up. But I think that the Cardiff game in particular fits a much bigger narrative over our away performances where we have just gone time and time again to, as Paul Ince likes to say, frustrate the opposition yeah. and this sort of stuff. And it just feels like in attack, there is so much more you can do that isn't completely throwing the game away and having, you know, 60% possession tick attacker trying to play like, you know, prime Barcelona. There is such a spectrum that we're not even engaging it. Oh, yeah. For, oh, yeah, for sure. For yeah, it's not like, I don't really know, Mark, if you know, like, what would you say our attacking philosophy even is this season? Well, it is, it is lumped up to Carroll. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true, and and, that's and I don't plan, necessarily that's plan A B C D E E, isn't it? Yeah, really? and I don't necessarily mind having Carol as a plan B. I, I think that um, if you're chasing a game, you know that ability to have a target each time you're taking a set play. I mean, we're scoring enough goals from set plays. Like clearly, Carol makes an impact there, but um, that should be plan B. You know, not not the first plan there are way you know like it doesn't have to be tiki taka like you're saying like we can be a team that perhaps like um leads when they won the championship moves the ball forward very quickly rather than passes it a million times you know there are different ways to attack and right now i don't know that the reading players let alone the fans really know the way in which they're being expected to to do so yeah i know we're talking off air about the uh the last 10 goals that Reading have scored, you've had a little flick yeah. through that and it, do, it really does underline that narrative, doesn't it? It's fun, yeah. So I had a look through uh, the last 10 goals um, that we've scored and this takes us all the way back to December 30th, uh, amusingly, when uh, Carroll got an equaliser penalty against Norwich. Um, so if you if you cast your mind back to 2022, that was the last goal. Fittingly, an Andy Carroll penalty, uh, an Andy Carroll set play was the last goal for Reading of 2022. But in the last 10, uh, we've scored six from set plays. Um, that's two against Rotherham, um, two against Watford. We had the header from Mbengue against Manchester United. Uh, and then, like I said, that penalty from Carroll against Norwich. Uh, I've put down four what I would call wonder shots. Hendrick's been uh, good for a good for a pinger recently. I'd say he had that sort of daisy cutter um, against QPR that was very nice, um, and and he had that corner that he met on the volley 
um, against Watford. A really, really nice, uh, really, really nice hit as well. A Breffers um, attempted cross that ended up in the top corner against Watford in the FA Cup. That's in yeah, the last that's, 10 goals. That's, that's no plan A, is it? You can't really no. <laughs> build a team around like lobbing it over the keeper from 30 yards out on the flank. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've seen, I feel like in the last few years, I've seen more guys attempting the sort of like direct corner than ever before. Guys are putting more whip on the ball than (laughs) ever before. But yeah, that's plan Z. That's certainly not plan A. So from all of these, Mark, how many goals from open play out of the last 10 do you think I counted? Well, I think the only one that is in my mind that you've not said is Jeff Hendrick scoring from about half a yard out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is that it? So that is that's one of them, uh, and then uh, technically that Kelvin Abreffa goal is from long play, uh, from open play as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I suppose in in like the most technicality way possible, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So it's a cross, turn shot, and a uh, half a yard. Um, those are the goals from open play that we've scored again uh, in 2023. Um, so interesting start to uh, the year for sure. Yeah, and this this kind of builds out into kind of what I feel is the most important point at the moment. Because I don't for the fans who listen to BBC Berkshire after the Cardiff game and who have seen it online, um, Paul Ince really didn't um, go on with Tim Deller in the post match interview. And I suppose he's not the first person on this planet to be a little bit irked by the way Tim Deller approaches things on on BBC Barks. That's fine. Um, we all have our moments. We're all human. But uh, the there is a little bit of a almost a tradition. I call it of managers losing their rag with Della, who's obviously, you know, he's yeah. been at Reading for so or been covering Reading for so long, a little bit of an institution, and knows how to, you know, have a, his interviews are almost conversations a lot of the time because he is a bit of a fan as well. Or, you know, yeah. he, he does have skin in the game, as it were. And the thing is, is that it's kind of suggested that he's you know, the players aren't good enough to play this kind of 60% possession football like we did at Stoke and we got hammered for that and we don't want that. But he also then got angry when Della raised the point that he said the players weren't good enough. So I think it was a it was a bit of a touchy moment, really, that didn't shine Paul Ince in a great light. And I think this is my point in this is that are Reading fans being ungrateful at the moment? Are we in a position where, yeah, everyone at the start of the season was agreeing, beat relegation, done? I don't know if I would have quite been in the situation where I would have been happy to be, you know, really, really struggling and, and squeak out, kind of as we've been under Paul Clement and, and those sorts of years. I don't right. want those sort of seasons, but I probably would have accepted it. And now we're in a, you know, we're closer to the playoffs with eight points than we are relegation, 10 points. That could obviously change on the weekend with Blackpool. But this is the this is the thing, is that are we being ungrateful? Are we actually having a plan, fulfilling that plan and still being unhappy and kind of moaning? Or is it actually the fact that in the last few months we've been on relegation form, the tactics have been dross, Mm -hmm. we've had constant injuries because of, you know, I I kind of accept that we had to recruit a little bit more riskily with the likes of Sam Hutchinson. There are questionable claims to the media from Paul Ince, which is uh, uh, just a bit weird. And then there's the away form, which is also, because of the tactics we've just discussed, has been crap. So where where is it in this question of are we ungrateful? Do you know have we have we asked too much of dear old Paul Ince? I don't think so. I mean, like obviously, like um, 
all of us feel you know you know cut us we blue we bleed blue and white and we're all redding till we die and all these kinds of things but football is entertainment and this has happened with countless premier league clubs whereby I, i'm thinking of like stoke when they had pulis um and and he kept them up and and did totally fine with functional football with them in the premier league for a while and then eventually found himself replaced when he couldn't change their style to be more um more attacking more interesting crystal palace have brought in um patrick vieira uh players like etse elise and are trying to play a more interesting style than just do the just stay up in the premier league sort of thing so i think it's natural for people you know we come to football on the weekend as our escapism we want to feel the excitement of like the ball rushing forward. Like I want to see Junior Hoylet um, put into places in front of the box where he can take shots. Um, I want to see Yidom being given the license to get deep into uh, the opposition half and provide cutbacks like we've seen him do um, under other managers. So yes, it's very important that Poland's has managed to strengthen the defensive side of the club and put us into a place whereby as long as we don't completely collapse, the end of the season should be reasonably comfortable. That said, um, what when it would have made it easier for us to be more on side with him is a clear idea of where we're going as a club. Um, I think in the off the field side, we're seeing some of that with the expansion of the recruiting team and things like that under Mark Bowen. But on the on pitch side, where are we going? Like, what are we, it's great that we've built this defensive side of things, but what, where do we go next from this? Who is going to drive the attack forward? Are we going to rely on players like uh, Aziz um, and and maybe Jamari Clark at Forest Green Rovers? Are we going to re- rely on these younger players? Are we going to try and bring an attacking style through or are we going to continue just sort of, not doing a whole lot in that regard, just trying to play on the transition or pick up goals from set plays. So I think that it's difficult. I don't think that Reading fans are being ungrateful to ask for entertainment in their football, um, for sure. I think that if we're looking at it in terms of numbers, yep, looks like we we should stay up. Um, but if we want to stick with Paul Lentz beyond this season, we need to see that once we have money again, um, he's a manager who can actually take us somewhere. He's a manager who has an idea of what he wants to do once the ball gets into the opposition's half. And, and right now, I think it's fair for Reading fans to question uh, whether he has an idea with that at all. So, yeah, it's, it's a tricky question, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, and no, I get that. I think for me, it's kind of the, the two-prong point is that the the form has been sliding. We are declining. Yeah, okay. We were on playoff form at the start of the year. Never expected to keep that up. Like, I'm not stupid. So that's that's fine. But as I say, like, I think we've had like five wins in our last 20 or something like that. Yeah. Like, really not good form. Um, and, you know, if Paulins is here next season, then that's sort of, reversing that form can be really really difficult and the other part of that for me is the away form has been so dreadful and that we're not trying anything new if we were having away form like what are we on at the moment so we've had three wins and two draws at 17 games um if if that was three wins and eight draws or whatever and you know four wins and a few more draws then I think I'd probably say, you know what, we're parking the bus and it's not great, but we're kind of there or thereabouts. Other teams aren't picking up loads of points. We're, we're getting good draws and we're not being massively entertained, but the results are kind of there. I would have much more sympathy for it with that, obviously. 
But because our waveform is an as an absolute fact the like the second worst in the league, then you can't. I don't understand how Paul Lintz can keep doing what he's doing at the moment and keep turning around and, and saying that this is the way that we need to play. Yeah. What is the what's the worst that can happen? Considering the fact we lost our last four in a row, it can't get any worse than that over the last four games. So I do think that you know at the moment Paul Lintz is. Not here. I, I said last week on the podcast, if we lose these two games, serious questions will be asked about him as as the manager. I think for now he's he's getting through that. We'll have to see after the Blackpool game. But just for me, it is the fact that it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction. And no. Yeah, I guess that's the if if we do stay up and everything, I think there's going to be a real serious debate that's had and I actually can feel that the debate is already being answered by a lot of fans obviously there's still a few weeks to go and everything we're nowhere near really the end of the season I do feel that the fan base is kind of turning towards long-term Paul Lintz being kind of you know thanks but we're going to move on at the end of the season yeah and, and I think that's I mean I kind of think that's totally fine um, you know, like I, if if it's a man who's come in to steady the club and basically give Mark Bowen the time that he needs to put together that back end to give us a sense of progression, you know, if and when the embargo ends in the summer, then that's fine. You know, you say thank you very much. You're always welcome here at the, you know, in Berkshire if you want to come watch a game with us. And, uh, you know, hopefully Tom stays committed. Um, but I, I think that my issue is just that he's complaining about the players on Friday, but then he play he brings in two new players in Nesta Guinness Walker and uh, Femi Aziz and continues to play them in the exact same way that he's played a player like Shane Long um, or Baba Rahman in the last few weeks. And those are not the same player. You know, Femi Aziz and, and Shane Long are not going to give you, um, yes, they can both run. Yes, they can both shoot the ball, but they're very different in terms of their actual style and, and their role of the team. So um, difficult to sympathize with his idea that it's anything to do with the players when you bring p- new players in and you play them in the exact same way that, uh, you know, that that uh, you're playing completely different players, so yeah, definitely need to see a bit more if we're going to keep in beyond this season. Yeah, well, let's hear from the man himself and uh, hear how he exactly did slate the players after the Cardiff game. Then uh, yeah, let's get into the mailbag and hear from you guys. We ne- we never showed up. We were poor from the first from the first minute to the to the last minute. And maybe sometimes that's what you get when you know you haven't got five of you know for, from the players who play on your side. We never looked got into any rhythm, defended too deep. Uh, even when there was down to 10 men, still defending deep, not even trying to chase the game. And you just think, you know, some of the things that go through people's heads and players' heads, it baffles me. For all the latest Reading news, analysis and opinion, visit the website at thetilehurstend.com. Mike Stagg starting us off this week saying who's more unpopular, Paul Lintz after his interview or Paunovic after Peterborough, um, which I mean, I think it's a it's just over a year now since all the Peterborough stuff. And it's actually just over a year since Paul Lintz came in. Um, so bit of an interesting moment. I know that Harry Chafe has done a piece on the Tyler Stand talking about 12 months under Paul Lintz, which I'd recommend you go and check out on the website. I mean, it's not a pound of which levels, which is really good. I didn't enjoy the pound of which levels of, of, no. <laughs> of disrepute <laughs> that he found himself in. As much as I really didn't like the man at the end of the ten- his tenure, um, you know, as, as a manager, as opposed to as a man, um, 
Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's got back that badge yet, and hopefully it won't. Um, Matthew Williamson said, is it as simple as winning games for Paul Lintz to redeem, de- redeem himself after this week, or does he need to show more? I think for us at the moment it is, because, you know, we're not... It, it really depends whether he is going to stay long-term, but at the moment I yeah. do just think a couple of wins would ease things, you know, as with anything in football, would be the, would the priority for me. It would be great to get a few wins in the next few weeks so that we get a chance to see if ins can adapt um, as the season goes on. If we can get to a point where we're very close to 50 points, um, you know, not long into March, then Reading should have the time um, to to play about with the formation a bit to see if there's anything that we can do um, with the tactics to actually attack. So, um, yeah, I think that if they can pick up some wins over the next few weeks, then um, we're going to want to see something different from Paul Lentz, um, just to just to see if there is anything progressing beyond the summer here. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. If if Reading are mathematically safe with like three weeks to go and we go away from home and put five at the back and, right. and do the same thing. And Pauline said, oh, we're just trying to frustrate them. It's like, well, we don't point? Yeah, we don't have to do that now. So that would be a good litmus test. Um, I yeah. agree on that one. Um, Alan Scott asking, this was after the Rotherham game, actually. Alan Scott got in touch with us via email. Um, that is the thetylerstand.gmail.com if you want to do the same. He's saying uh, that Ince spoke a lot of sense after the Rotherham game, but he doesn't understand why Ince can't get the players to respond to his simple instructions, push out past, do all the simple things well, particularly against the more vulnerable teams. Why are the players not responding? And I think what we've not discussed yet is the impact of the players in this whole debate and everything. And yeah. it's obviously very naive to think that if you know Ince wasn't in charge, Reading, I don't think Reading would necessarily be much higher up the table. Hopefully... You know, if if we started playing better away, there's no guarantee that we would keep the same home form with a different manager and all the sort of stuff. But that's the that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Is that yeah. is it the players? What are they doing to to respond to Ince's instruction? Because something is being lost there. Either the instructions are bad, the way they're being said is bad, the fact that they're being yeah. said is being ignored, or the players know they're being said. They like the manager, they're motivated, they're trying to do it, but they can't do it because they're not good enough. So. I feel perhaps this this one for, for the away form for me it does still come down to the the tactical setup because I don't I, I don't think that any eleven of this quality when you set up with kind of five at the back and a big man up front and you know the the instructions are obviously to hit Andy Carroll and work off him and Andy Carroll's not the best player in the world I think that's kind of where it starts for me. Um, and I, I mean, are the players responding? Obviously, we just don't know. No, and, and it's also difficult. Um, There's a piece uh, I did a few weeks ago on, on Lucas Yao and, and the intrinsic versus extrinsic factors that uh, affect players and, and whether they're playing well, um, you know, sort of getting into that whole class as permanent, form as temporary um, debate. Um, another interesting piece coming out this week on Rahman, um, who's been, obviously he was a popular player for Reading uh, under Panovic in particular, and, and during his first season um, started to divide opinion a little bit more in the second half. But this season, looking at his stats, he's really just completely fallen off a cliff. And 
I don't think that that's entirely to do with the player himself. I think that that is to do with um, what he's being told to do. Um, there is management in terms of man management that's just getting players G'd up, getting players ready to go and excited to play. And I think that we saw that in the first half against Manchester United, where clearly the players were G'd up, they're excited. That's kind of what you can get out of that is a, a half of really committed defending and a lot of huff and puff um, doesn't necessarily translate into attacking philosophy, but it can certainly get your players going on defense. Um, but then again, like, what are we doing uh, on attack? Like, what instructions is Raman getting? I just don't believe that he's completely fallen off the cliff to um, be doing half of what he was doing in an offensive capacity last year just because he himself has fallen off the boil. That's the manager not getting instructions through to him. And it might be as simple as if you see the other wing back coming, you invert. Um, if you, you know, if you are waiting for the overlapping run, um, you go inside of the field and, and things like that. These are small instructions. Um, they don't have to be huge tactical ideas, but just small things that are being told to players. Um, I wonder if that's kind of been replaced this year by just man management epithets. And, and that's kind of why we're getting solid enough defensive performances, but just that sense that once we get to the attacking third, the players don't seem to have any idea where they are on the field or what on earth they should be doing. So, yeah, I think we're missing out on some of those key tactical instructions. And, and that's why I don't necessarily think it's just the players. Yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is I think with the selection as well, if you're take Barman, for instance, who I've not been a fan of this year. And I mean, I, yep. I, I, I personally don't know whether it is the play or the manager or whatever, but I think that the selection of the team and the tactics, you know, you put Rahman in a position on the ball in his own half and he looks up, he's got Andy Carroll or he's got maybe Tom Ince yeah. coming for the ball or he's got a centre-back like Nabisar or who's not brilliant on the ball, so he probably doesn't pass to him. Loom or Hendrick in centre midfield, again, not brilliant options. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Sorry, Mark, not to interrupt you, but I'll tell you what, that's actually one point where I will say that there is some player issue is that I don't think, unless you disagree, I don't think that there's been one centre mid this season who's really stepped up and and took the mantle as like the clear pivot or, or something like that, like Josh Laurent was or Rinomota perhaps. No, there hasn't, but I think that comes down to recruitment. And yes, Jeff Hendrick mm -hmm. hasn't been particularly good, but I do think that comes down to, you know, the the way that we built the team. And I think that's probably partly to Ince. Ince would have probably said, can I get some midfield destroyers rather can I get some, yeah. you know, flicky, nice little players who can turn a ball around a corner. Like, I think that's probably part of, you know, that's a whole umbrella kind of issue, I feel. But yeah, I, I, it's def there, there definitely has to be criticism of the players into what's going on and everything. But in my view, the way that we're looking at this massive comparison from home to away and yeah. that they're doing so well at home and so badly away and we keep doing the same things away from home and not succeeding with it is kind of my bigger frustration than any individual performances. Final question then this week comes from Paul. More of a statement, to be fair, must win against Blackpool. Um, who thinks we'll get stuffed against Middlesbrough. The pressure's on now. Let's hope we don't get another Cardiff performance. Come on, you are. So we'll be talking about Blackpool in just a bit. First, let's have some news bites, catch up with what's been going on around the club this week. Stay tuned for all the latest from around the Medeski Stadium and the Championship with News Bites.
Let's start with the under-21s. They beat Ipswich last week with Kelvin Ava-German scoring and Tuna win at Beaconsfield in the Barts and Bucks Cup. A team of teenagers actually put out against the senior team, Adrian Akande with the brace. Uh, next up is on the 27th, that's Saturday, Millwall. Uh, that's what Saturday is. There's Millwall on uh, the 27th in the Professional Development League. Millwall actually top of that league, Reading a third. So... Um, Hopefully a good uh, a good litmus yeah. test see where the team is with that one. Um, Reading under twenty ones have also signed uh, young Northern Irish left back Matty Carson. I think we spoke about him on the show a few weeks ago, scoring in uh, the defeat to Arsenal for the under twenty ones while he was on trial. So he's now penned until the end of the season. Under eighteens, they were beaten three one by Swansea. They actually played QPR on Saturday, according to pretty much every schedule I can find. And yet, I mean, that maybe this is just my lack of ability, but they can't find any evidence of the scoreline anywhere on the Reading QBR website, on that like soccer way, on any oh. social media. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll find out why that was. Maybe it got called off or something. I don't know. But if you do know, tweet us. And we'll yeah. Get, one, so. um, get involved. Yeah, we certainly don't. Uh, Under-18s have Bristol City next week. And the women are currently on an international break. They have a big old game next week, though. 2pm on Sunday, Tottenham away in the FA Cup. Very winnable tie, actually. Um, Just, you know, women's team not in brilliant form as it is, but hopefully that's the sort of game that can turn around the season. fun, Mark. Uh, over here, sorry not to cut you out too long, but um, over here um, in the States, um, obviously with Reading's men's team being a championship team, I don't get asked about them too often. You know, I do wear my Reading stuff to uh, all of my soccer events, but, uh, you know, there's only so much interest you can you can get. It. But the women's team, um, there's a there's a Spurs fan over here who does uh, come up to me and talk to me about the women's team every now and again. So um, making waves across the ocean. Absolutely. Well, yeah, big, big game for you then on a, yep. on Sunday. See how that one turns out. So, yeah, if you can get down, it's in, I know it's against Tottenham, but it's actually in East London. It's at Leighton Orient's Brisbane Road. So if you can get down to that one as an away fan, definitely do. You can follow as well what happens on the Tyler Send social media and website. Let's get into the preview then. Talk about Blackpool at home. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you ours. Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. So 3pm kickoff, Saturday the 25th of February, Select Car Leasing Stadium, and it is against the Blackpool team that Reading have actually been beaten in their last three encounters. Last league win was in October 2014. How's... Your trivia, Ross. I'm going to ask you who was on the score sheet that day, October oh, 2014. Man. It was a three nil win. Um, Adam Lafondra. Um, I will say Danny Williams. Um, uh, maybe Chris Gunter, just for just for fun. So um, I don't think Lafondra was playing, or I don't actually know if he's at the club then. I think he might have just gone, but it was a uh, Glenn yeah. Murray and own goal and Nick Blackman oh. scoring Glenn the last Murray. winners. So uh, that feels, I mean, that doesn't even feel in my mind that long ago until you realise that it's basically a decade, which is sad. <laughs> Glenn Murray and Stephen Fletcher fall into that sort of memory hole in my mind where I'm just convinced they played for every EFL club at some point in their career. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So um, and now he's a pundit, so it all goes oh, full nice. circle. So uh, he turns up on Sky Sports and stuff now nowadays. So 
Are we nice. are we confident in this one? We're so good at home. Um, we've won three um, of our last five, drawing the other two. They've had two points from their last seven away games in the championship, so not even a win out of that. I mean, the, the form book, in that sense, points so much to it. It, it is a six-pointer because we've only yeah. got a 10-point gap to the relegation zone, and that is Blackpool. They are 10 points behind us. So I don't, are, are we confident? I'm I'm pretty confident. This was the first game of the, the reverse was the first game of the season, as I remember, and, and Reading went down one yeah. nil. Um and, and I thought Reading played pretty well that day. Like I think the Reading have more quality in their lineup right now than than Blackpool do. And Reading do tend to this season at least get up for the games where they feel that they have to win. Um you know, like there, there's that sort of, ah, oh, we want to prove people wrong mentality that we're certainly very much on show in the early season. It's started to fade a little bit now in terms of getting a bit more complacent. But no, I'm I'm pretty confident with this one. I can't see Blackpool scoring more than once. Um, so, of course, they'll be three up uh, like Birmingham were in the first 20 minutes or something like that. But no, this one's this one feels like, you know, if we can get um, get three points here, set up another roller coaster of a fortnight or whatever. And um, yeah, just keep slowly ticking towards that 50 point mark. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll have um, I think we'll have a year on back, won't we? I don't know about yep. Hendrick. Um, be nice to have Holmes back. Holmes um, back would be useful, and Ince as well, actually, who was on the I, bench for the Cardiff game. Would you be interested in seeing um, if we were going for a four at the back? How would you feel about Nabi Sar and Tom Holmes in the middle? I'd be happy with that. I mean, or and Benge, and then having Yedon as the right back. I think that. Yeah. I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's not going to happen, is it? So no. <laughs> we are going to go five at the back, I think. But ho- I, what I would like to see is. I mean, Aziz and Carroll, I'm not sure I'd start Aziz in this game. Um, maybe have, if, I mean, I don't think Shane Long will be available, but maybe have, you know, I suppose if we had Aziz and Ince alongside Carroll, that would make more sense to me, but probably won't happen. But yeah, I think in my, my terms of confidence are pretty decent. Um, yeah. Blackpool aren't the best team in the world. For all of Ince's failings, he's generally speaking had a really good year at home. So if we can turn it on and keep that going, then great. I do fear, however, given that we are generally speaking on not particularly good form, um, particularly with our performances, if we do go a goal down like we did against Rotherham, um, that might not be the best atmosphere to be in to then come back. So let's talk about some predictions to round off the show. Um, I actually had one all and nil-nil this week. So both my both my three-point hauls were taken off me in the last minute. Um <laughs> Ben got Rotherham. He had 2-1, so he extends his lead at the top. Sim Handbags and Ollie also getting the win. Nobody said we'd get beaten by Cardiff. So, Ross, what are you going to say for the Blackpool game? I'm going to go with a 2-1. Get ready for Groundhog Day from the Rotherham game a few, you know, earlier this week. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think I'm going to go with 2-0. I think this, hopefully, what I, what I want to happen, and what I do actually believe could very much happen in this game, is that this is the one where Reading, for all our faults and everything, kind of sit back after it, look at the table and say, relegation basically done now. Not fully yeah. done, but kind of basically. Because it's, you know, it would it was it is a six-pointer. Um, so that's kind of my ambition with this game. And Paul Ince is capable of doing that for us. Even if, you know, if it is away from home, I wouldn't be saying that. But at home, we do have something about us a little bit extra to make it work. 
Um, obviously, so much of it, I feel, probably is going to be down to the injuries and stuff that we have during the week. But yeah, we've got we've got it in us to get something out of this game. So we'll be back as a podcast after the Blackpool game um, in about a week or so's time. And uh, yeah, Ross, thanks very much for coming on this week, talking about what's been once again a fascinating week in Reading football history. Yeah, always fun being on the Reading roller coaster with you, Mark. <laughs> Absolutely, and we'll be back next week. So, uh, yeah, it is Blackpool at home. I think this is, is it the biggest game of the season yet so far? I don't think it is unless we lose. It's the biggest game of the season this week. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, get down to the stadium, back the boys, make some noise and all that. Come on, you're awesome.